It is a sultry, late summer night. Perfect night to uh, do a podcast. We're going to talk about loneliness on the road from a nomad perspective in podcast 1113, the Bob Davis podcasts. I'm going to talk about the difference between loneliness and solitude. This podcast is uh, the result of a question that somebody asked on, on, I guess, on YouTube, which is, how do you deal with loneliness on the road? And I'll get into the difference between the two concepts in a second. But for the moment, let's think about solitude, which is simply the state of being alone. It's a little different from feeling abandoned or uh, depressed or without friends. That's loneliness. Solitude, I think, is something we all need. And I think one of the ways to get it, if you live in an urban environment, which, you know, urban environments are becoming increasingly, uh, I don't want to say difficult. They're becoming increasingly stressful for various reasons. And I hear this a lot from people who live in cities. But if you have a garden, then you can go in the garden and you have this oasis where you can be alone. Now, I'm not a gardener, but my understanding from people who are gardeners is that uh, being in the garden is almost a Zen kind of experience because you do the work, but uh, it becomes a pleasure. And it's also a place where you can go sit you can work or you can just sit and you can uh, think. I mean, some people call that meditating. But just think and be alone for a moment. And, I, and that is so important. If you want to get a garden, especially this late in the year, if you want to get your garden or get a garden ready to go for next year, you need to talk to GardenGurusMN.com. Uh, This is the uh, landscaping company I've talked about a lot in these podcasts. They can do all kinds of things. They can stage real estates. They can can get your garden ready so that you can then, uh, you know, do the gardening yourself. But they do the dirty work, let's say. They can stage uh, commercial properties, all that stuff. And they can do it for a reasonable price. They'll explain it when you talk to them. GardenGurusMN.com it's very late, and I'm in a neighborhood which actually reminds me very much of the neighborhood I grew up in as a kid when uh, I, I was a weird kid. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm nocturnal. I, I seem to fire on all eight cylinders after midnight. More often than not, the later the better, generally speaking, and all day long I'm kind of lackadaisical and half asleep but then uh, after midnight I wake up and I was I've always been like that I've always been up all night it drove my parents crazy so in the summer they let me sleep on the front porch or I had a fort in the backyard they let me sleep in the fort and I've talked about that in plenty of podcasts Uh, because I would wander you know I, I, I I moved my bedroom to the back of the house at one point When my sister moved out to go to college, I took her room and she had that back room. 
and I used to open the window and climb out and and I had it was a it was a you know a typical midwestern sort of old farmhouse peaked roof uh, and then there was a there was an enclosure over the back porch or by the back porch so that you could come in and there was almost like a mud room one you went down in the basement one way or onto the back porch the other way but it was set up for winter and it had been an old farmhouse the built the neighborhood was built around it so so I would I would uh, slide down the peaked roof by my window and then hop down to this sort of peaked roof that was really a doorway uh, on the ground level and then all I had to do was jump down and if I wasn't doing that uh, if I was in the backyard in the fort I didn't really feel the need to wander if I did it was in the backyards a lot of times I would just go and sit on the front porch the, the front stoop the steps which the street outside was cement and tar over the cracks and the street lights were always on and I would sit there all night with only the radio as my companion listening to the radio until 3 30 4 o'clock and then I would go go to sleep if I was sleeping on the porch the front porch I would just you know get on the couch and go to sleep if uh, if I was sleeping in my room I'd have to climb back up uh, and if I was sleeping in the fort I would just go get into my fort it was like a a-frame fort but I think they were concerned that I would range free, which I did often in the middle of the night when everyone was asleep. Sometimes I made plans to get together with uh, other friends at two or three o'clock in the morning and walk around. But generally, uh, I was just by myself. And I do remember nights like this that were high dew points. Uh, we are having in New Hampshire uh, this uh, 90 degree temperature fluctuation right now which is very tough on people from New Hampshire it's still probably 82 and it's uh, one o'clock in the morning so I have to be kind of quiet because I'm visiting friends and I've been walking around out here with no shirt on and uh, just like I did when I was 13 and uh, the neighbors probably think there's some crazy person <laughs> crazy person out here so I gotta be fairly quiet so if you've been listening you know that I've traveled quite extensively in this 2000 uh, Ford 450 ambulance since about uh, 2014 all over the country I've been back and forth across the country many times almost in a sort of uh, uh, frenetic need to travel and drive and go and almost all of the back roads crisscrossing the country again and again and again at different latitudes and, and longitudes. And then I went out in 2020 on my own permanently. I got rid of my house. I got rid of my possessions. I continue, by the way, to pare down, get rid of possessions both in the truck and at home. Uh, I don't have a home, but where my stuff is stored, basically, which is not very much, uh, not very much stuff. In fact, I should do a podcast about a bunch of stuff that uh, I had that when I got divorced, uh, I think I did mention this. I, I, my, my then future ex-wife said, what do you want me to do with all this stuff? And I said, burn it. Well, she put it away. 
and I spent the summer going through that stuff and 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 grateful to have it because some of the stuff that she saved was really important you know letters from my first girlfriend uh, when I was 16 17 years old uh, stuff from radio and and my life going back to when I was a kid that I thought was lost permanently so I spent a great summer kind of going through all that stuff and it it it, uh, it did a lot of good so I, I'm very appreciative that that stuff got saved but I had to get rid of a lot of stuff and so what you end up doing is you end up saving shards you save almost as though you're curating for uh, a museum exhibit you only keep the things that or pieces of things or representations of things that meant a lot more because I realized as you go through all your old stuff uh, you see, there's you have a lot of stuff, especially as you became a man uh, or a woman. You you end up collecting a lot of work artifacts and things like that, and it's it's only meaningful to uh, to you. It isn't meaningful to anybody in posterity. So the best thing you can do is throw it away. So I went through a whole thing where I just threw. We had a dumpster, and I threw a lot of stuff in the dumpster again. Uh, I filled a dumpster, a construction dumpster, at one point in 2020. In the late summer of 2020 uh, with all this junk and this time I I didn't fill it but I threw a considerable amount of stuff away both from the inside of the truck and also uh, stuff that I had been going through that was up in the shed I've talked about all that I've been traveling extensively Uh, and then in 2020 considerably lightened the the uh, psychic load by getting rid of everything and uh, and and then going on the road permanently. So I have now this sense, this endless summer, this endless sea of time that has opened up for me to contemplate many things. One of which is why on earth would I have decided to do this thing? It was time to go. Go just go. I've talked about it. Again, don't mean to belabor it, but it's important for this conversation. Never once did the idea that I was going to be lonely enter my mind. In fact, I think a lot of the reason and behind doing it... now. There's a lot to unpack here, but I guess I will say some people weigh, they analyze, they collect data, they put off making a decision, they, uh, they're careful, they're quote-unquote conservative in their decision-making process, they are decidedly not risk-takers. Other people take calculated risks where they spend a lot of time, you know, again, collecting data and weighing it out until they make a decision and it's a calculated risk. I don't operate on that frequency. Uh, I tend to be very elemental, uh, and the, the, the decision-making seems to come from deep inside almost as though and it probably is of the subconscious i listen to the inner self or if you will the higher self 
and I seem to be able to tune it in uh, at uh, pivotal moments in my life to do things and I act on those uh, convictions and I don't look back I think a lot and so later okay when you have it you have the time to think and you do have the time to think and process uh, when you're on the road all the time there's a tendency to review I wouldn't call it looking back and I wouldn't certainly call it being regretful or having regrets why did I do that Uh, why does one do that comes up and it's uh, something to chew on while I'm driving or while I'm sitting in front of a campfire or out at my friend's house at one or two o'clock in the morning doing a podcast on the front stoop I feel very strongly that one of the reasons that I decided to do this was because I wanted to be alone hence the juxtapositioning of loneliness versus solitude so we'll talk about that in the second half of this podcast one of the things that I do in my my solitude is I spend a lot of time looking at uh, the oil futures markets and I am not happy by what I am seeing oil has been rising and it's rising it's rather elevated it's much higher than it was earlier in the summer uh, and at 89 or 90 dollars a barrel for West Texas or Brent it's irritating as hell because I keep expecting a break in other words a breakdown therefore the price of diesel fuel becomes very important to me and I'm back to when I have to really looking for and shopping price for diesel and I'm sure if I was driving a gas-powered vehicle it would be the same thing for gas because gas is getting more expensive let me recommend an uh, an independently owned and operated refueling station because they get a better deal on fuel and they can pass the savings on to customers if you're in Minneapolis your go-to independently owned and operated refueling station is 36 Lynn for a bunch of reasons as I've often explained they have a great Instagram feed that's worth it right there Two, they have a great sense of humor that's worth it right there but three they do have a lower price on fuel and four they have uh, a lot of great locally sourced products in the community five is that they are really into and interested in and have been involved in the community before being involved in the community was cool so check out 36 lynn in minneapolis at 36th street south and lindale avenue south in the lynn lake neighborhood and uh, just stop in and say hello get some fuel buy something in the store and say hello or you can check them out online at 36lynn.com i guess uh what i would say when you ask me how do you deal with loneliness on the road is if you're going to be a nomad you're going to have to be comfortable with being alone if you can't be alone if you are a person who requires uh, a lot of people around you I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to meet people and that you're not going to find friends and make new friends because you will but what I will tell you is you've got to get comfortable with being alone in other words being in a state of being alone which is solitude being feeling as though you're abandoned or you've abandoned or that you are in a state of 
uh, I won't say depression, but anxiety or feeling bad because you don't have the people around you. Being lonely for a special friend or being lonely for this or that uh, is loneliness. Being in solitude is a positive. So if you feel that you're going to be lonely on the road, I don't think it's as much of a problem. Almost everybody I know that's a nomad, I don't think they feel lonely. In fact, I, I went on the road partially, as I said, to, uh, to kind of get away from people. I felt strongly that I needed to make a change. I needed to repot my life. I needed to reroute my life. So uh, I was okay with being alone. The other thing I'll tell you, which I think is fascinating, so I don't know if you're aware of the Myers-Briggs test. You can take the Myers-Briggs test on it. It's a, you know, it's a personality categorization tool that managers use. And they're categorized by extroverts on one side and introverts on the other side. I always thought I was an extrovert. Now, I find this fascinating because I did this test with a friend. And, and she was shocked that I came out as uh, a very rare type of introvert. Uh, which is only about 3 or 4% of the population. And I was surprised, too, because I was convinced. In fact, I did the Myers-Briggs 30 years ago, and, and I was uh, an extrovert. So I was an E as opposed to an I. Now I'm an I. So somewhere along the line, and I think it's partially the experience of being alone, being in a state of solitude, has made me a little bit more of an introvert. Now, I'm not, you know, 80% into the introvert uh, scale. I'm only about 8 or 9% into the introvert scale. But there's something about doing this, and, and there's something about the miles rolling by. Uh, I don't have the radio on. I don't listen to music while I drive. Uh, I don't listen to books on tape while I drive. I just have windows down, and I just drive. And I can't get enough of it. I'm still like that. I'm spending a lot of time here because of uh, I have a family commitment on the 6th, I think it's the 16th of September. And I, I was up north here in New Hampshire, and it, it was just pouring down rain. Now it's 95 degrees. If I went up there, it'd be, it'd be great. Uh, but I came down to uh, Manchester to hang with my friend, one of my best friends, because he said, just come down. It doesn't matter how long you're here. And I was like, are you sure? Because you're going to get sick of me. Uh, in your face all the time. I don't stay in the house, I stay in the truck. Uh, and this is why, because I'm up all night and, you know, uh, I, again, I'm spending time alone right now. I'm, I'm having some solitude. So, so when I want to hang out with people, you know, I can find people to hang out with. But the second thing is, even then, I find myself drawing away a little bit because uh, I enjoy being uh, in a state of being alone as opposed to being lonely and I'm not lonely often I've thought I'll be camping someplace that's spectacular and I'll think God I really wish you know so and so is here or I had somebody to share this with but you know if I want to share uh, this experience with somebody I can call a friend and say, hey, why don't you meet me here or there, and we can get together and, and meet and camp together, or I can pick them up at the airport and, you know, take them back to the airport somewhere where I am if that's what we want to do. So I'm not, I, I don't have to be alone if I don't want to be alone. And certainly when I'm camping down in Quartzsite, you're not alone. So Quartzsite's very social, but all of us, uh, 
enjoy pulling back to our camps and being alone. So we don't we don't go in and pinch ourselves on people uh, unless they ask us to stay. So when I'm camping with my friend Mike and, and Robert and uh, Tom and others in Quartzsite all winter, if I decide to stay in the LTVA for the full for the full season, you know I'll have a fire going and Mike will come by. Uh, and he might sit there for a couple of minutes, and and he'll ask, you know, do you do you want me to hang out? And I'll go, sure, yeah, let's talk, and we'll sit and talk. Or uh, Robert will come over and just drive his truck over and sit there with the, his dog Harry, and he's in the truck, and we're sitting there by the fire. Some nights they don't come over at all, and some nights I'll go over to Mike's bus and and uh, ask him what he's doing, and then we might walk over to Robert's place and hang out with Robert or hang out with Tom or somebody else, or somebody will say we're having a dinner, or come on over to the other campground. So it's a social atmosphere. But we are very respectful of people's space because most nomads I know prefer the solitude. We don't have a problem, like we can go and we can hang out during the summer with family or uh, whatever, but almost everybody I know sequesters themselves. This summer, uh, Robert was, I think he was in Alabama or Mississippi working on his new rig, but he's, he's on a big piece of property that's owned by a friend, and he has, he's essentially sequestered himself from everyone else. I don't blame him, because that's what I ended up doing. I didn't stay at the cabin. I went down to the lake, and I sat there uh, for a month and a half. It was something like six weeks, the, the spring to early summer. And then I started back on July 31st uh, on my, my trip out east. And on September 16th, I will begin the trip out west. I just think it's interesting that we have a tendency to sequester ourselves. Mike is sitting down in Quartzsite uh, in one of the abandoned uh, campgrounds because nobody's in Quartzsite now, especially now, because it's 120 down, degrees down there. He's doing security for a uh, campground down there and he and he's he's alone and and likes being he doesn't want to get he doesn't want people to bother him and i don't blame him if he wants to go hang out with somebody he'll go find somebody to hang out with we're all that way i i think you either become that way or you uh you are that way one or the other i guess what i'm saying to the person that said what do you do about loneliness is it it's a it sounds like a foreign question to me because I don't think I've ever really felt lonely in the true sense of the of the uh, of the word and the definition of the word being you know a, a melancholy kind of experience. If if you feel that that is what's going to happen to you, then take somebody with you. A lot of people take their spouses or they take a dog. You know, I'm not getting a dog. Uh, they have somebody with them, which is a whole other subject because having somebody with you can be, you know, you're operating in very in a very close environment. So if you bring somebody with you, you better you better have a very tight relationship because it's like being in a spacecraft most of the time. It is not, uh, and in many ways, it's not the most romantic environment. I don't even know if I'd want a romantic partner to see. <laughs> You know, some of the less uh, 
publicized things that you have to do. But that's what you have to do if you're really concerned about being alone. But on the other hand, if you're melancholy, and if you're if you're talking about loneliness in the sense of being melancholy, uh, maybe being a nomad will break you of it, and it, it might lead you to the the part where you start considering the difference between solitude and loneliness. Solitude is great because solitude. First of all, you know, I think it was Carl Jung that said that people who are a little bit older, in other words, over 40, need to uh, devote a lot, a lot more time to uh, processing the things that have happened in their lives because the, the natural man, generally speaking, didn't live past 40. So in, modern, in the modern milieu, we are living well past 40. So you gather uh, you know, a, a bunch of experiences in your life, and when you're living your life, especially when you're younger, you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're doing what you're doing, whatever it is. You're living your life. And uh, you're, again, you are very elemental in your decision-making and in your, your life's uh, purpose and in the things that you do. You're not really aware of the processes, but when you reach a certain age, you got to start devoting some time to those processes. Well, nomad travel is a perfect thing for that because you spend so much time alone. This society is uh, obsessed with social, the social experiments and the social experience. Social media, spending time socially. Are you well adjusted socially? We're worried about kids being antisocial, and so on. And I think that is not necessarily healthy. So people become anxious about being alone because they're used to being connected with people. You know, a lot of times you have no cell service, so you can't use your social media and you can't call your friends, you can't do any of that stuff. When you've got a signal, yeah, you do that stuff to quote-unquote, easier loneliness, if, if that's what it is. But we're not comfortable in this society anymore with solitude. I mean, this is the whole thing about Thoreau, to my understanding, is that is he talked about solitude being so important to, quote-unquote, sanity, in the sense that if you are comfortable with solitude, and you're comfortable with yourself, then you can come to some pretty significant revelations about your own life by processing the things that you uh, deal with. I find it difficult to process when I'm with people. When I'm alone for long periods of time, I can come to some conclusions. And then I'll go find somebody and say, let's go up to the diner and have some dinner, or let's go get a steak and cook it on the fire, or whatever. But I value the solitude and the silence. And the other thing is, we are so obsessed with social in this country that people go on hikes. It's a big movement to experience nature today. We're going hiking, whatever. And of course, a lot of that has to do with taking pictures. When I was up in Mount Washington, they have a 
place where you can take selfies, which is the highest point, and it's also where the one of the where the app. Well, I think it's the Appalachian Trail begins or is connected up through Mount Washington, and goes north from there and south from there. I mean, there were there were 150, there were 70 people lined up at that thing in the cold, freezing wind, to have their picture taken in front of this damn sign. Meanwhile, you've got this. 70 mile view at the top of that mountain of beautiful it's just beautiful and because everybody's taking pictures and grabbing getting video and all this stuff they don't take a moment to just look around and when you're in solitude you experience this you experience wildlife you experience uh what the forest is like you experience all of it because you are the only person there so you take it in and i don't feel the need to take a picture anymore i do but i don't need to take a selfie in front of a tree i don't need to take you know i do it for my my podcast but i don't find myself you know you cannot take a picture that's going to even begin to approximate what it is like to stand on the rim 50 feet from your campsite of the grand canyon and looking down at sunset when everything turns purple. You can't take a picture of that. And people run down there with their camera, take a picture, and run back to their campsite where they've got, you know, all the comforts of home. You, you can't take a picture of it. That's something that you have to experience. You have to sit down at the tower at the Grand Canyon on the, you know, Desert View campground and wait for the sunset and wait for that human experience where everyone's talking until the sun gets to that point where it starts to set and there's a there's a there's a purple color and hue to the sky and to the canyon and i'm telling you the minute that happens all the phones go down everybody stops talking and there's utter silence for a good five or six minutes while that sun completes its uh, its arc down below the canyon. You can't take a picture of that. I mean, you could certainly try, but I see so many people running out to take a picture to send to their friends, and it's all about this social experience. Perhaps we ought to be thinking about solitude and experiencing these things in solitude, because ultimately, you're in a, you're encased in a spaceship called your body. You know, you're not, you don't have people in your body with you. You're by yourself. You're experiencing things by yourself. So if you're lonely, why? Why are you lonely? Why are you not reveling in the solitude? And being able to oscillate between solitude and companionship uh, when it's appropriate for you. So no, I don't get lonely. I don't know how to answer the question, to tell you the truth, because I don't get lonely on the road. Uh, you know, I oscillate between solitude and uh, and uh, companionship or uh, convening with other people, uh, uh, you know, wherever I am. Plus, wherever you go, there's always people you can talk to. You pull into town. I had a great conversation with the guy that put my batteries in in Lincoln, New Hampshire. We talked for about an hour and a half about everything in town and what was going on and the history of New Hampshire. and everything. It was a great conversation. So, am I lonely? No. Does it get weird sometimes? Yes, but it doesn't bother me. <laughs>
Because remember, I'm the kid that used to leave the house at 1 o'clock in the morning and walk around the neighborhood. <laughs> All hours of the day and night. And my parents must have gone nuts. Because I'm sure they got up a few times and I wasn't in the in the bedroom. And they thought, he's not on the porch. He's not in the fort. He's not in his bedroom. Where the hell is he? Well, he's, you know, he's running around uh, naked in the in the 100-acre wood, you know, a, a few 50, 60 yards from the house. You know, who knows what he's doing. <laughs> All right, this has been a little bit long, but I enjoyed it, and I'm glad I did it, to tell you the truth. It's really cool. Thank you for the question. Thanks for subscribing to the Bob Davis Podcast on iTunes. Thanks for subscribing on YouTube. You guys at YouTube, you are awesome. You are really helping the feeds. You're really helping me grow the podcast and the YouTube channel. I appreciate the 1,430 or whatever subscribers I now have. That continues to grow. Thank you, Peter Santadello. I've said it 100 times, and will continue to say it and help Peter any way I can. Uh, and, and also, if you want to make a, uh, a donation to the Bob Davis Podcast, go to thebobdavispodcast.com. Look for the picture of Mobile Podcast. Come in on the right side of the page. There's a donate button. Click on it. It takes you to PayPal. And you can do a, you can set up a monthly payment. You can, pay, you can provide a you know, donation once. I appreciate anything you can do. It goes right to PayPal. That, goes, that is my gas card. So that goes right into the tank of mobile podcast command but uh, yeah i really appreciate everything that people do and i appreciate you listening to the bob davis podcast loneliness on the road how do you deal with it in podcast 1113 the bob davis podcasts you to breathe me let me be your air let me roam your body freely no inhibition no fear how deep is your love is it like the ocean what devotion